Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Walter Cronkite, the former American broadcast anchor, once told a story of how he was steering his boat down a river in Connecticut with his wife. And all of a sudden, a boat went past going in the opposite direction, the passengers waving their arms and yelling. So Walter shouted a response back to them and kept on going down the river. As he came around the next bend, though, his boat ran aground on some sand. And his wife turned to him and said, didn't you hear what those people were yelling? He said, why, of course. They were yelling, hello, Walter, hello, Walter. No, dear, she corrected him. They were yelling, low water, low water. <laughs> there are times in our lives when we, like Mr. Cronkite, think a little bit too much of ourselves, put a little bit too much stock in, in who we are. And it may not seem like such a big deal at the time, but in the lesson before us this morning, God shows us that even those little sins of pride, arrogance, and selfishness are actually very serious sins with very serious consequences. He shows us that we ought to live in Christ-like humility, both with humility in the calling that he has given us and with humility in the face of the opposition that can and will come against us as we live in Christians, as Christians in this sinful world. As the Israelites wandered through the wilderness, they didn't always do a very good job of living in that kind of humility. They complained because they had no water. They complained because they had no food. And when God gave them water and sent down bread from heaven, they complained about that too. They didn't take the love and, and preservation that God had given them and give thanks for it. Instead, all they did was grumble and complain. This morning we look at two particular Israelites as they struggled with humility in their calling. Moses' sister Miriam, who was a prophetess, and their brother Aaron, the high priest. And rather than give thanks to God for the positions that they had in the position of their brother, Aaron and Miriam grew hateful toward Moses. They started trying to bring him down by slandering his wife. This is the first example we see in the Bible of that, that racist attitude that Israelites had towards the Gentile nations around them. But it's certainly not the last. Because the Israelites thought that because they were God's chosen people, they were a step above and beyond everybody else. And it was offensive to Aaron and Miriam that Moses would take for his wife an outsider, a foreigner, a Cushite. But we see that there was another problem, an even deeper problem, that sat at the root of their discontent. We heard them asking, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Miriam and Aaron had both been given an opportunity to serve amongst the Israelites. God had given them both a certain amount of power. But at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. They weren't happy with what they had. They wanted more. And we can see from the questions that they asked that they didn't just want to tear Moses down. They wanted to raise themselves up. After all, hasn't God spoken through us too, they were saying? Don't we deserve just as much authority as our brother Moses? 
but what Aaron and Miriam were forgetting was that Moses hadn't taken his authority for himself. And they hadn't taken their authority for themselves. No, all three of them had received their authority from God. And the same thing is true for all of us here. Everything we have, not just authority, but everything we have comes from God. For from Him and to Him and through Him are all things. But Miriam and Aaron had forgotten that. The Lord, however, had not. And He called them together to the tent of meeting where He was going to enact His punishment. The Bible doesn't exactly tell us why only Miriam was punished and Aaron wasn't. It could be that she was the instigator in this little rebellion and that Aaron was just following along with the plan. Whatever his reason was, though, the Lord had a purpose for not striking Aaron also. And, and what about Moses? We read that verse, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And that might strike us as a little a little startling, especially if we remember that Moses is the one who wrote this book. Moses wrote the book of Numbers. How could he write a, a verse about how he's the most humble person in the face of the earth? We have to remember at the same time that it was the Holy Spirit who was inspiring Moses and giving him all of the words that he was to write. And as we look at this account, we can see that Mo Moses certainly did demonstrate some humility that day. Unlike his brother and sister, he recognized his position. He saw where God had put him, and he didn't go looking for more. Moses shows us how a Christian lives and acts. And now we're not in the exact same situation as he was three and a half thousand years ago. And everyone's situation differs from person to person, even within this own room. But no matter who you are, our calling is the same. Live life to glorify God. Unfortunately, it doesn't always pan out that way, does it? And a lot more often than we care to admit, we find that we're living life to glorify ourselves. We may not be a prophet or a prophetess, but just like Aaron and Miriam, we look around at the people in the world around us, and we become jealous of what we see. Maybe it's that man at work that has the position that, that you've been trying as hard as you can to get. It could be the kids that live down the street whose parents always buy them the coolest toys. Or maybe it's that other lady who, who always seems to have her hair just right without even trying. We see these people and we, we become jealous. And then that jealousy leads to even more Sinful thoughts, thoughts of anger and hatred and spite. Or maybe, maybe we like Aaron and Miriam look at what we already have where God has already put us in life and we take the credit for ourselves. Maybe you are that man with the better job, the, the kid with all the toys or the woman with the perfect hair. You look at what you have, you look in the mirror and you think, yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. It's so easy to forget that God is the one who has put us where we are and given us everything that we have. But those proud and arrogant thoughts are dangerous. And God showed us just how dangerous when he struck Miriam down with leprosy. So how should we act? What should our attitude be like? When we look at this story, we certainly have a, 
a fine example in Moses, showing us how to live in humility. But the Bible gives us an even better example. In fact, the best example of all, and that's Jesus. Jesus doesn't just tell us how we should live our lives. He demonstrated it for us. He understood and recognized the position that he was in, and he brought glory to his heavenly Father by humbly fulfilling his calling. That's why the Apostle Paul writes to the church, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus, who made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, as we live in that kind of Christ-like humility, life here on this earth isn't going to be a cakewalk. Because as we seek to imitate Christ, everything around us in this sinful world is going to seek to oppose us. Moses knew that lesson pretty well. Because Moses received more opposition from Pharaoh and the Egyptians than most of us here will receive in our entire lifetimes. He received more opposition from his own people, the Israelites, and now in this account we have him receiving opposition from his own siblings. But through all of that, Moses remained humble. He never acted back, even, even when his brother and sister attacked him and rebelled against him. Moses didn't fight back. He trusted in the Lord and waited on God to take action, knowing and believing in his heart all along that the Lord would do what was right. God did act. He struck Miriam down with leprosy, showing that he viewed Aaron and Miriam's sins of, of pride and jealousy very seriously. And the same is true still. When it comes to sin, God doesn't joke around. When it comes to sin, God punishes. And in Miriam's case, that punishment was a, a terribly painful and very shameful skin disease. But in every case, in Miriam's and in our own, the ultimate punishment, the end of the line, is death. And not just death here on earth, but eternal death in hell. As Aaron stood there and looked at his sister, as she sat with, with the flesh rotting off of her living body, you better believe he could feel the, the weight of that punishment of sin. His spirit was crushed. He understood fully what it was that God had been saying to them. He knew that what they had done was wrong. So he repented. He repented of their sin and he begged, he pleaded with Moses to pray to God on Miriam's behalf. And this now is where we really see Moses' humility. Because we might expect that Moses would turn to Aaron and say something like, well, you know what? You guys came and, and you slandered me. You ridiculed my wife. You sinned against me and the Lord and now he's punishing her and she's getting what she deserves. There's nothing I can do about it. But he didn't. Moses had nothing but love and compassion for Miriam, even after she had attacked him. He cried out to the Lord, please heal her. 
He faced his opposition with love and prayed to God for the deliverance of his opponents. God heard Moses' prayer and he healed Miriam. Wow. How far do you and I have to go before we get to a love like that? When, when people oppose us and, and come up against us, a lot of the times in matters far more trivial than this. Our pride and arrogance get in the way once again. Our knee-jerk reaction is to, to shoot back a haughty response. Whether it's a spouse, a, a child, a parent, a co-worker, a teacher, or a student, we always want to assert ourselves over them. We get no more joy than being able to say those four little words, I told you so. And we love to see that opposition fail. But that's not facing our opposition in Christ-like humility. That's not being humble. When Christ was opposed and afflicted, he didn't do anything. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, he didn't even open his mouth. But as Jesus hung there, looking out at the faces of all the the proud and arrogant sinners in front of him, who had nailed his innocent hands and feet to the cross, he said a prayer. He said, Father, forgive them. And he has forgiven us. Through that sacrifice that Jesus made when he gave his life for us on the cross, our sin has been removed from us just like the leprosy was removed from Miriam. And that burden of sin that's weighing down on our shoulders has been removed. Through the washing of Jesus' blood, we are now made pure and clean, children of God and heirs of eternal life in heaven. Therefore, the Bible tells us, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God, Imitate him and live a life of love. By nature, we can't live in Christ-like humility. Because by nature, we're trapped in those sinful thoughts of pride, arrogance, and selfishness. Yet the Lord has made it possible for us as the Holy Spirit works within us. And through the power of his word and the power of your baptism... He has awoken a new nature within you, one that yearns to imitate Jesus. So go recognize and give thanks for all of the blessings you have in your life, the position where you are, and treat everyone with love, even as you're faced with opposition. Live in Christ-like humility. Amen. Now may the peace that passes understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord unto life everlasting. Amen.